All right. Good morning, everybody. We've already had a great uh, morning. Uh, if you haven't figured this out already, today is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers, uh, those who invest in others and lead and care for others uh, with the heart of a father. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, I was thinking about a number of things as I was uh, preparing for this message and this time together. And I really, it dawned on me that what I really wanted to do this morning was just encourage fathers. That's what I wanted to do because it's, it's amazing over the years I've watched this trajectory of like Mother's Day. It's like, we love you, mom. You're amazing. You're the best. You love us. You nurture us. And then his dad just like stand up with your shoulders back, be tough, man it up, you know, do better. It's just kind of like, I don't know why we just kind of like tend to be pretty aggressive. And so I just wanted to encourage, encourage fathers today and just really talk about some of the great qualities, aspects of a godly father. And, uh, and as we do so, hopefully this is something that you can, we can be grateful for if we've had those father figures in our lives, but also something to aspire to, but we're going to try to keep it pretty encouraging. It's amazing how, um, the view of fathers kind of changed even in my lifetime. So I'm in my mid forties and I remember as a kid watching reruns of shows like leave it to beaver and little house on the prairie. And in those shows, like dad is like this stalwart of character leading the family, you know, forcing the kids to pray. And like, just these, like these really great examples, you know, working with mom in this loving fashion. And then as I watched through the years, the TV shows and family images portrayed, it was very much what I would call a devolution. The, the father figure sort of devolved over the last 50 years, right? And so then you watch a show like Everyone Loves Raymond, super funny, uh, but dad does not have it together. And then like The Simpsons, I mean, can you ask for a worse example of a father than, than Homer, right? So you see this happening in society, and, and I think that's when we devalue the role of fatherhood and the value that fathers play in the lives of families and in our culture and community, we really, what I like to say is we... we we cut the feet out from under us, right? Because it's so, so important. So today, see, I'm already getting emotional. I just wanted to encourage dads. And um, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, um, Mother's Day, Father's Day, these are not biblical events. So it's not like the Bible says, celebrate on this date, Father's Day and Mother's Day. Uh, so you might say, well, why are we talking about it at church then? Well, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Let's reference it. Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, we have the fifth commandment. We'll throw it up here on the screen. Uh, I think it's coming. It will show up here eventually. Maybe my TV died. I don't know what's going on. Broken mouse. Okay. Well, hit the right arrow key and we'll have our slide. So try that. Uh, Anyways, let me just read it to you. Uh, It'll come up eventually. How many of you know the fifth commandment says this? Honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Which, in the New Testament, we're told this is the first command that God gave that actually has a promise attached to it. It's like, if you keep this commandment, God will bless you and will bless your family and will bless your life. If you will honor your father and if you will honor your mother. I I wanted to point out today, and it'll come up, but I wanted to to point out today that um, it does not say honor your father and mother one day a year. Right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say honor your father and mother until you're 18. Until you're 40. If you have a mother and a father, you'd honor them whenever possible. And lastly, it doesn't say honor your parents if they did a good job. <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't say that, right? Because as we're going to discover today as we talk about this idea of fatherhood and parenthood, it's like there are, there are no perfect parents, there are no perfect mothers, no perfect fathers. They, they just aren't. There it is. 
There are none. And, and so the, our, our goal is to honor. Our goal is to honor. One of the best ways, next slide, one of the best ways that we can honor our fathers and our mothers is to express our gratitude. And I've been thinking about this a lot as I'm kind of preparing, thinking about my parents and the home that I was raised in. And I can assure you not everything was perfect. I can assure you I could tell stories of mistakes my parents made. I'm not going to do that because I want to live long, right? Um, but the point is, is, is that one of the best ways that we can honor them is to express our gratitude for our parents, for our mothers, for our fathers, for our grandparents, for mentors, for those people who invested in our lives, who've led and taken responsibility for us. So we express our gratitude. What is gratitude? Gratitude is the state of being appreciative of the benefits received. And I'll tell you this, um, gratitude is not something that comes real natural for most people. In fact, my wife and I have four kids and we had to teach them gratitude. We had to teach them to think about what other people are experiencing. We had to teach them when someone gave them a candy, you know, when they were a little big, they would take it and stick it in their pocket and walk away. It's like, no, no, no. Look them in the eye and say, thank you. Express gratitude. We didn't have to teach them to lie. We didn't have to teach them to be selfish. Like those things just came naturally. But teaching them to truly stop and go, wow, you did it and sacrificed that for me and to express that gratitude. That's something we had to teach. And I I believe that all of us are still learning to do that. And today, as we celebrate Father's Day, I want us to be grateful uh, for what was invested in our lives. By the way, gratitude is a sign of maturity. It is a sign of maturity. Immaturity is like, I'm only thinking about me, and I, you know, kind of ignore and blind to everything. But gratitude is a sign of maturity that you get some things. You know, I, as I was thinking about it, when I was a little kid, I did not, I did not understand. I, as a five and six and seven year old, I lived in my parents' home. I, it, it never dawned on me that my parents had a stressful day at work. This never did. It never dawned on me when I woke up and woke them up in the middle of the night because I was sick that they needed their sleep. It never, it never dawned on me that grocery prices were high and that bills had to be paid. It just didn't, it never dawned on me because I was a kid and I was thinking about myself. And as I grew older, what was fascinating to me is uh, having conversations with my parents now as an adult is a real eye-opening experience as they begin to tell me about some of the battles that they had to fight over the last 40, 50 years of their marriage. And they told me um, recently about some of the struggles that they went through. And it's like, whoa, I, d- I didn't know because they had sheltered me from it. I was a child. I didn't understand. I didn't know that they had fought through to break addiction so that it wouldn't affect my life. I didn't know that they had fought many times to save their marriage when it was on the brink. I didn't know that they had to struggle financially. I remember back in the late 80s, my dad was telling me they, they had a home that we lived in and the mortgage rates were 14 and a quarter percent, which for those that understand math, that's like huge mortgage payment and none of it goes to the principal. It's all interest. And they did that. And I didn't feel a thing. I got up every morning and there was breakfast on the table. So as I hear these stories, when I hear about how they fought for me to give me and my brothers a better start in life, a foundation from which we could jump forward from, it's like, wow, this is gratitude. It's gratitude. And, and I recognize for people listening today, maybe you didn't have a great father. Maybe there was absence in your home and all those things. I get it. But I guarantee someone stepped up. Someone stepped in. And to stop and to really think about that and to express gratitude is so, so, so important for us to do. So I feel like gratitude is a sign of maturity and, and we want to be mature and we want to uh, honor those um, and have gratitude for those who have supported us. It's also a sign of spiritual maturity. Uh, Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So you've received the message, his truth, 
His love, his death, his resurrection, all of that, you've received it. And he says, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So he's talking about growing to spiritual maturity. And notice what would be the result. Just as you were taught, he says, abounding in thanksgiving. This is a spirit of gratitude. It's like, the more you understand who Jesus is, what your God and Heavenly Father has done, sacrificed, given his life for you, when you begin to understand that, what happens? Gratitude. Gratitude. The more spiritually mature you are, the more grateful you uh, become. That's, that's the idea. So the title of my message today is, is simply this, On Your Shoulders. On Your Shoulders. And this really comes from an idea I was sketching in a, in a notepad one day, and it just dawned on me that, you know, as I think about my own life and I think, oh, I got a, a great wife and good kids and things are going well and I have a house and food in the cupboard. I'm just like, thank you, God. And then it dawned on me that I'm standing on the shoulders of other people. That the reason why I have a house with air conditioning is not because I've worked so hard, but because the infrastructure was put in place, because people sacrificed their lives, because so many things happened before me. My parents sacrificed to get me an education so I could have a job. Like, there's just, it's so, it's so naive to think that we're standing on our own when in fact we're standing on the shoulders of others. And so, two questions I wanted to ask, and then we're going to turn to the scriptures. The first is this, whose shoulders are you standing on? As we think about gratitude today, is there someone in your life to whom you should express gratitude? To whom you could go, man, you know what? I wouldn't be where I am without that person. Hopefully, there's a father in your life who is that. But if not, maybe a mother, an aunt, a grandmother. I don't care. Whose shoulders are you standing on? That you could say, I wouldn't be here today without that person or those people. That's just a great question to ask because it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce gratitude in our heart. Secondly... And maybe more importantly, are you willing to be the kind of person on whom others can stand? And this is really where we get to the heart of a father, because the heart of a father is someone who says, I'll go down to lift those up. I'll sacrifice so that they don't have to. That is the heart of a father, as we're going to see as we turn to the scriptures. So these are the two questions I just kind of want you to keep in the back of your mind as we, as we turn to the scriptures this morning. So uh, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapters 3 and 4. There's a lot of text here, but let me give you the, the context for this chapter. Paul is writing, uh, and his companions are writing to a church in Corinth. It was a Greek city. The Corinthian church is a mess. If you read the whole letter, the kind of stuff, the kind of stuff they're dealing with in the church uh, is absurd. And I'm not going to list off all the things. But these people are new baby Christians, and they're a mess in every way. And Paul is writing to them, and actually the beginning of chapter 3, he tells them, he says, Listen guys, uh, you're infants. And he refers to himself as their spiritual father. And he says, I tried to give you meat and you couldn't. You're like gums. You just can't even like, so he's like, all I can give you is milk. You're like babies. And so he's, he's like, you just, you don't get it. You, you're not mature yet. And so in this passage, he's really going to talk about himself as uh, he's going to talk about himself as a father. I think I got a text first Corinthians chapter four. Yeah. He says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, he's like, there's lots of people teaching you about Jesus in the Bible. But you do not have many fathers. And I love the distinction between someone who teaches and someone who's a father. Because I can teach you but not be your father, right? A father is someone who doesn't just teach but who takes responsibility and ownership for. He says, you got lots of teachers. Lots of people teach you stuff about the Bible. But you have not many fathers. And he says, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I love this too because, see, father isn't just biological. It's not just... You have offspring and you're a father and, and it's, it's more than that. It's a, it's a, it's a responsibility. It's an attitude. It's a role that a person takes on. Paul says, I became your father in Christ. 
beautiful, beautiful image for us to think about. And so, uh, today what I wanted to do was share with you sort of three attributes of a godly father. And these are all taken from 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. As I read through, Paul's like, I'm your father, you're my spiritual children. And he talks about his attitude towards them. And from these, we'll derive three basic principles uh, that all of us can put into place. Because you don't have to be a father to embrace these. These are, these are, this is what a spiritual parent does. And it applies across the board. So here's the go. First one is this. A godly father <laughs> trusts in God. As a father, as a mother, a godly mother, trusting God. The most important thing that a father can do is trust God. Let me tell you why. Um, the weight of being a father, and by that I mean one who takes responsibility for the care, nurture, provision of other people, little people... That's a huge weight. Over the years, I've felt that weight. Yeah, I'm, I, my wife and I have four kids. I feel the weight. I remember when we brought our first child home from the hospital, and we looked at each other, and we realized we don't know what we're doing. And then when that child turned two and started fighting everything we said, we looked at each other and went, we don't know what we're doing. And on and on. And on. Recently, our oldest just moved out of the house and got his own house, and it's like, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> And then the next one shows up totally different than the first one. You thought you had it figured out. And then the next one shows up totally different ball game and on and on. And the whole time, the longer we've been doing this parenting journey, the more we realize uh, what we, what we don't know. <laughs> I believe that's called the Dunning, Dunning Kruger effect, right? When the more you know about something, the more you know, you don't know. It was kind of that. So as we've gone through this parenting journey, we're like, we're clueless. We just keep trying stuff and some of it's working and some of it isn't. But here's the thing, if, if it weren't for this, a trust in God, then we would have to take complete responsibility. Now, I believe as a father, as a parent, we have to take responsibility for our children. That's kind of the role. But we can't take all the responsibility. That's why I'm so encouraged by, by what, by what um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He kind of backs up and he's like, you're like children. But here's what he says. He says, for we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. Now, what Paul is saying, he's like, I'm your spiritual father, but you really belong to God. And I'm working with God to help you. And I'm telling you, this is so much relief. If you're a dad and you're feeling the weight of being a dad and you're like, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the the education. You need to understand it's not all on you. You have to trust God. And over the years, I've recognized that as much as I love my kids, God loves my kids more because they're his kids. And as much as I want my kids to succeed and to be healthy and happy, God wants that even more. It's so encouraging to know that I'm not alone in this journey. To know that what God has called me to do as a dad, he's working above me. And I'm working in his field. And my kids are his garden. And I, have, I take responsibility, but not all of it. Not all of it. And you know, I've had to wrestle through with this as a pastor too, because I care about the people of the church. I want our church to be healthy, and I want people to like it, and I want people to grow here. But that can be a weight that's too heavy to bear. You have to remember it's God's field. It's God's garden. You're God's people, not my people. And when I remember that, it's like, okay, I can breathe. The weight comes off my chest. And so I wanted to tell fathers, this is, this is so important. If you hear nothing else, you're not alone. You're not alone. You have the work of a father, you have the work of a mother, you have the work of a leader, you have the work of a business owner, you have the work of teaching a class. All of those things are weights and pressures, but you're not alone because it's God's work and it's his field. And so we can just breathe a little bit. It's so, it's so nice. Um, 
was sitting on the couch last night, and I don't know why, but all the kids were all sitting with my wife, and I kind of joined. I took a sermon break, and I sat down on the couch, and they were talking about their dreams, and they were dissecting all their dreams, and my uh, 12-year-old daughter, she's like, you know, dad shows up in my dreams all the time. And he always shows up and saves everybody. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, or he makes things really worse. And I'm like, and my wife's like, yep, that sounds about like the right thing. Um, man, I don't have it together, but here's the beautiful thing. Being a, a father, a good father, isn't about being perfect. It's about pointing our families and our communities to the one who is perfect. We're supposed to be a, a pointer, an image. And we do it imperfectly, of course. But it's just so, uh, it's so helpful to remember that we're, we're not alone. We're not alone in this. Um, I love this. He continues. Uh, he says, we're God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. And then he continues on in the next verse. Um, let's go to verse 10. And it says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. We're going to come back to the foundation. But notice this, he says, and someone else is building upon it. So Paul's like, I'm your father, and I gave you the faith, and I taught you the fundamentals, and I've launched you out into the world. But he's like, not only are you God's responsibility as well as mine, so I'm not alone, but he also says, other people are going to come and build upon it. And this is the second thing I wanted to encourage you with. You're not alone, and God will send others to help. Man, that is encouraging too. Because <laughs> as I said, there's so many times as leaders and parents, we feel inadequate. And not only do we need to remember that we're not alone, that God is is over it all, and he's working in our kids' lives, and he has a plan and a purpose, and he's empowering them, but he also sends other people. And I thought it would be appropriate in the spirit of gratitude to stop and just say thank you today to all the people of our church to thank you who have invested in the children, not only my children, but in the children of this church. I was thinking this week about the volunteers who serve every week in Pathway Kids and down on the floor, teaching the kids the Bible, praying with them, feeding them snack. Amazing. Youth leaders here every Friday for multiple years on end, caring for a group of teens. Young adult leaders who are making programs available for young adults to connect. Those things don't, shouldn't be understated. God will send others to help. It's God's field. Your children are God's garden. And God's at work. And he's with you. And he sends others to help. And I think it's appropriate for us to express our gratitude to those who come alongside Coming back to verse 10, um, let me just restate it again and point out this word. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a what? Everybody say it. A foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Paul says, I laid a foundation for your faith. I laid a foundation. He goes on to say this, let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Paul says, I laid a good foundation for your faith. Be careful what you build upon it. Here's the second thing, uh, truth about fathers. If you can go to the next one here. A godly father trusts in God. We covered that. And then the second one is he focuses on the foundation. This is true of mothers, leaders, of course. Focuses on the foundation. Do you know the foundation is critical? That the foundation determines what you can build upon it. That if the foundation isn't strong, no matter what you put on top of it, guess what? It comes tumbling down. Jesus actually told a, a parable, a story, right? About a man who built his house on a rock and another man who built his house on the sand, right? And if you don't have the right foundation, it will not stand. Case in point, I got a little image here of the leaning tower of Pisa. Apparently, it used to have more lean than it does now. They had to do foundation repairs. And the reason why the building isn't straight as it was intended is because the foundation was not laid correctly. And so because of that, it began to, it began to lean. 
The foundation of something is the most important thing. And this is the work of fathers. This is the work of parents. This is the work of leaders is to lay good foundations. Not to make things pretty, but to lay good foundations. If you're buying a house, guess what you should be looking at when you go to see the house? You want to look at the foundation, you're like, oh, I love this siding, it's new, it's so pretty. You go down and the, the walls are crumbling in the basement, you're like, wait a second, wait a second. It looks pretty, I like the window treatments, but if the foundation isn't good, you don't want to be buying that house. By the way, that's what you should be doing when you're dating or courting somebody, right? You're checking the foundation, like they look nice, but when you get to know their character, their family, their history, where they're going, their desires, their morals, all of those things, all those things begin to reveal the foundation. And if you find someone, right, who maybe doesn't have everything together but has a good foundation, you can build something great together on that. Foundation work is so important. It's so, so important to have a good foundation. So we want to have a foundation of faith. We want to create a structure uh, for our children and those under our care to thrive. Um, I believe that parents are responsible to lay a good foundation for their children. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A foundation of faith, a foundation of love, truth, morals, things like gratitude. We can make a list. There's this, there's this idea in our culture today, which I think is dangerous, but you be the judge. Um, a lot of parents are saying, I, I don't want to shape my children. I don't want to lay a foundation for our children. I want to let my children develop. However, I have some plants in my garden that I've tried doing that with, and it's not good. <laughs> the tomatoes are growing this way. Uh, you need structure. You need a foundation, right? Like, if you were building a house, you have to put a foundation there, and then you can decide how it's going to look on top. But the foundation is, is essential. And it's, it's noble to say, I don't want to lay a foundation of faith for my ch- I don't want my children to be a Christian because I'm a Christian, but, like, wait a sec. Here's the problem with the thinking. If we don't give our children a foundation that we believe is good and secure and firm to build their lives upon, where will they get it? If you don't give it to them, their friends will give it to them. The school will give it to them. The social media will give it to them. University professors will give it to them. And for me, the thing for me is like I have a foundation of faith that was given to me by my parents. My parents were not Christians when I was born. They came to faith and their lives changed for the better. And it changed everything about our family dynamic. And I'm the recipient. I'm standing on the shoulders of their faith. And then as a teenager, I had to wrestle through whether the faith that my parents gave me was really for me. And yep, they indoctrinated me. They were like, this is what you should believe. But I had to decide for myself. And I looked at what God had done in my parents' life. And I said yes to that. And then God just transformed my life. And I built my... So why would I not take the thing that I've spent my entire life pursuing and trying to figure out and going, this is good, and not give that to my children to stand upon as they build their life? And, and here's the thing. They're going to get to whatever age and they can decide... Whether they want to keep the faith, move on, that's their decision. But why would I not give them the best foundation that I can afford? Are you with me? Foundations are so, so important for us to give to our children. Um, Paul, Paul warns his, his children. Uh, we're going to look at a verse in the next chapter. which kind of following the conversation. He, he warns them not to be filled with pride. <laughs> you know, essentially what was happening is... Um, the Corinthian church, the multiple preachers had come through. So Paul had helped plant the church. And then you had uh, Peter had come through. They called him Cephas. And another guy who was apparently a great preacher named Apollos. And all these preachers came through and different people were like, I'm Paul's disciple and I'm Apollos's and I'm, and I'm Cephas's. And they're all like picking leaders. And essentially they're so immature. They're like they're turning each other at church and they're like, my dad's better than your dad. 
If my dad and your dad had a fight, my dad would win. Like, it was so silly. Paul's like, what are you talking about? You're all God's field. There's one gospel. And you have a father who has given this to you. And he's like, knock it, knock it off. I love what he says in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, what do you have? He's talking to them. He's like, what do you have that you did not receive? What a great question to think about. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? People are running around in our culture today going, personal rights and freedoms. And they have no idea that those personal rights and freedoms came from the Bible. We want to throw the Bible out, but not all the benefits that it's given us. We want to cut out our foundation, right? And so people are running around going, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, don't want this, right? But we're, and I, I would love to just ask, what do you have that you did not receive? We walk around our streets safely because we have a rule of law, and that rule of law was developed over hundreds of years through so many different societies, and all of it, we stand upon the shoulders of others. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everything we have, the fact that we have all of the amenities and internet and roads to drive on, someone paid for those before we were even born. All of these things were developed by people. We, we think about on Remembrance Day how our freedoms, young men laid down their lives so that we could have the freedoms that we have, and it's like... What, how have we forgotten this? What do we have that we didn't receive? It's so arrogant to be like, yeah, you know what? I did this. No, you didn't. We are standing on the shoulders of our parents, our grandparents, our forefathers, the martyrs who died, who were burned alive to make sure that we got this into our hands, which has shaped our culture, blah, blah, blah. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> so a godly father. Let's go back to our list. Trust in God. I think this is encouraging. I don't know. It sounds like, is this encouraging? It sounds heavy. I don't know. A godly father trusts in God. A godly father focuses on the foundation to make sure I want to prepare the ground. I want to prepare everything so that my, my children, those under my care, can build the best life with faith and God uh, forward. And lastly, leads through sacrifice. I probably don't have to say much about this. Let me just read the words of Paul. He's writing to these, these young, immature Christians who are fighting over whose dad is the best. And this is what he says about his attitude towards them. He says, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. I like the poorly dressed because I was thinking about (laughs) when I was a kid, my parents bought me the Nike shoes. I really wanted the Nike shoes because all my friends had the leather Nike, you know, basketball shoes. And my dad had like the cheapest byway shoes. They were awful. He was always poorly dressed so I could have nice things. So I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Paul's like, we're poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. He goes on. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. In other words, Paul says, we've been willing to get pushed down to the bottom to lift you up. That's the point. We're willing to do whatever it takes to help you secure a faith in a future that is better. I do not write these things to make you ashamed. He's not like, don't pity me. But I wanted to admonish you as my beloved children. Because I love you, I'm willing to do this. Let's go on to the next verse. I think there's another one. Yeah. I do not write these. Okay, we'll come we'll circle back to it in a minute. But Paul says, look at I'm looking at you and I've sacrificed all these things. I, I imagine today if we were to have story time, which we won't see how we're doing for time. Oh, we're okay. If we were to have story time, we could share stories of things our mothers, fathers, parents, grandparents, foster parents sacrificed for us. And we'd all be in tears hearing those stories. 
And as I said at the beginning, it's important for us to remember whose shoulders we're standing on to express gratitude, but also to say, would I be that kind of person for someone else? Would I be the person that's willing to go down to lift other people up? If you can skip ahead to the last verse, verse 16, um, for me, I love, this is how he ends. And we're going to, we're going to, we're stop and pray in just a sec. Paul says, I urge you then be imitators of me. His, his goal is like, Hey guys, I'm willing to sacrifice and come down to lift you up so that you can have a faith. But then my hope is that you would be an imitator of me. That as I point to Christ, you would follow me to Christ and that you would then do what I have done for others, that you would sacrifice yourself. This is, this is the call of a good and godly father. It's to trust in God. It's to build good foundations and then to get out of the way and lift our families, our communities up. It's an awesome opportunity that God has placed in front of us to do. And uh, Paul invites us into it. Let me wrap up with this thought. You know, um, I was thinking about that fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. It's the first command with a promise. If you do this, if you honor your father and mother on whom you stand, you'll be blessed. And I think the reason why is because as we honor those on who we stand, we get lifted as well. We're connected. We're standing on their shoulders. We're standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us. So those two questions I want to end with, and we're going to pray. The first question is this, on whose shoulders are you standing? And the second one is, are you, what kind, would you be the kind of person on which other people can stand? Can we pray together? Father, um, as we celebrate Father's Day and we think about gratitude, it's so important for us to state that we are so grateful for what you have done. Our Heavenly Father sacrificing, giving your life, giving your son, so that we could have life. That you came down so that we could go up. Help us to have this heart of a father, to trust you in everything and to be willing to sacrifice and love others in a way to set a foundation of faith and godliness for the next generation. Help us as we go today to go in a spirit of gratitude and to be willing to sacrifice for those around us in Jesus' name. Amen.